This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the latest instalment of Total Saints Podcast, your dedicated weekly podcast still going to the heart of all things Saints FC. Firstly, we hope you enjoyed the previous couple of episodes and the associated Total Recalls, TSP 110 with James Beattie and TSP 111 with Neil Madison. Thanks to everyone who fed back on them. If you've not yet had a chance to listen, then please do. They were both really good guys for us to have a chat with. As for this episode, you may remember a few weeks back in TSP 109, we undertook part one of our two-part Saints squad assessment. That edition saw us focus on goalkeeping and defence, which still makes all of us shudder, I think. Well, this time in part two, we're heading up the other end of the pitch where the magic happens, it's midfield and attack. To assist with that, we've got the band back together from part one. On base, because that's what he's wanted, is Freddie from the ugly inside. Freddie, you still keeping safe and well and uh, keeping up those regular bike rides? Yes, yeah, getting out on the bike every other day. I think there's not a mile that I haven't covered in the New Forest or Hampshire yet. So uh, we're going to probably reach out to uh, maybe Surrey next week. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, well, that's a good effort. So excellent. All right, well, it's good to have you back on the pod. Thanks for joining us. Next on lead guitar and vocals, because he can do both of those things, and he's a man of many musical talents, albeit I think we all probably realise that most of those vocals will be explicit. It's regular TSP panellist Glenn Delacour. Glenn, how's things with you? Yeah, I think my musical career is being overhyped somewhat. <laughs> yeah, platinum albums. Yeah. No, 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 definitely not. I've got a, a YouTube following of about two, and one of them is <laughs> my mum, so that's it. Yeah. So, uh, no, I'm, I'm all right. Yeah. Um, nothing much has changed. Still working from home. Still walking the dogs once a day. Uh, still getting humiliated by my son every lunchtime trying to play football. But other than that, yeah. um, no, nothing much changes. And, uh, yeah, the madness continues for another few weeks at least. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, we're good. Uh, and likewise, thanks for joining in, Glenn. And uh, last but not least, it's Saints Fan and Press Association's Chief Football Writer, Simon Peach. Uh, Simon, Freddie's on uh, bass. Glenn's taken lead guitar. I guess it's drums or triangle for you and me. I'll tell the drums. I've, yeah. I've got a band name as well. Southampton Indie Band, The Delays, thanks to Glenn. <laughs> the Delays, I like that. Yeah, um, and, <laughs> and last time we spoke, so si, you were obviously keeping yourself busy writing about a variety of football uh, stories. I, I know having kept in touch with you, you've been focusing a bit on the SPFL, whether the leagues are going to close down and things like that. And obviously we now know, I think, that the Championship 1 and 2 are. So you've been keeping yourself busy writing about that. Yeah, they're not our choice, it's got to be said. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm writing a lot about the SPFL. It turns out the chairman of the SPFL is also chairman of PA, which is making it interesting to write about. Oh, right. Um, not in a good way. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, yeah, lots of lots of things keeping me busy, trying to get interviews. I spoke to James Wilbrash at the start of the week yep. about everything they're doing and trying to keep busy at a time when there's no sport, which is... There's still surprisingly a bit to write about. Yeah, all right. Well, that just leaves uh, myself then, Ben Stanfield. Uh, I'm taking the triangle, which definitely aligns to my musical uh-huh. talents, because I have absolutely none. Right, before we get going in this pod, let's briefly reflect on that part one. Um, Freddie Glenn, Simon and myself all agreed Alex McCarthy would still be our number one at the start of next season, and also agreed centre-back was the absolute priority to invest in this summer. Not necessarily rocket science, I don't think, but did you guys agree? We asked on social media what views you had. In terms of your number one Alex McCarthy unsurprisingly matched us with 64% of the vote 17% said that they would have Fraser Forster as number one next season brand new number one was uh, third and 16% and maybe worryingly for Angus Gunn only 3% felt that he would be in goal at the start of next season moving on to the nah. key <laughs> moving on to the key priority for um, transfer funds this summer unsurprisingly again like the rest of us 55% felt that centre back was the priority 37% was right back 7% left back and only 1% felt that they needed a new goalkeeper so Simon just briefly before we move on no surprises there not, not in terms of defence but in goal I mean it's ridiculous how underrated Angus Gunn is just because Fraser Forster stopped a couple of people north of the border in a Iron Brew Cup match it doesn't mean it's, he's any good I'm afraid that ship sailed puts him back behind Angus Gunn but there you go everyone's entitled to their own opinion aren't they but uh, look uh, thanks to all Unless of you <laughs> thanks to all of you who voted uh, let's get on with this podcast then in partnership with Saints Archive and Saints World and sponsored by Happy Hot Tubs this is TSP 112 I'd really love a hot tub, but I don't know where to start. How easy is the process? It's as easy as one, two, three. Who are you? I'm the man who puts happy people in hot tubs. One, choose your hot tub at Happy Hot Tubs. Two, choose your accessories. And three, choose how you want to pay. With 0% finance available on selected tubs, we even accept American Express. You deserve happy. And at Happy Hot Tubs, it's as easy as one, two, three. Happyhottubs.co.uk so starting in midfield then, generally the heartbeat of any football squad, it's certainly an area where Saints seem to have quantity, but do they have quality? As per last time, we're not going to go through every single squad player in detail, but starting with the captain, Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, Simon, um, do you think he'll stay at Saints longer term, i.e. sign a new contract, or do you think there's a good possibility his fairly recent change in agent, moving uh, to super agent Pini Zahavi, who also I believe looks after uh, Wilfred Zaha and Robert Lewandowski, will potentially see him move on or be moved on? Look. Sometimes you can overread the agent move, but Pini Zahavi is someone that does tend to get people big moves. If I was Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, he doesn't have any ties to Southampton other than he clearly enjoys playing for the club. But he's an ambitious guy. He was at Bayern Munich. He was highly rated. Pep Guardiola loved him. He's had to drop down uh, in the Bundesliga with loans. He's come to Southampton to re-establish himself. He's managed that. I don't think his 
ability is much higher than a top six club mm. uh, in the Premier League, but it wouldn't be surprised if he does try and make that move. And it's it's hard to blame him when there's not been that much around Southampton to keep him mm. in terms of upward momentum of the club. I mean. And then Freddie, in terms of Pierre, then I mean, he's played 129 games for Saints now, scored five goals, six assists during that time. I mean, it was about 13 million we paid for him. So all in all, when you look at that, good value for money. I have to say, I've always been a massive fan of him since his arrival. But I think there's no doubting for me and probably for many fans that his form's been a bit patchy this season. So do you see maybe a player out on the pitch and a captain out there who looks unsettled? I don't think it looks unsettled at all, but I think if we look at his uh, Saints uh, career, if you like, the last few years, he was actually kind of a, a slow uh, sort of start to his career. We sort of frozen out under Claude Powell. We played a little bit here and there under Pellegrino, but only really sort of hit the ground running under a little bit under Mark Hughes and then uh, with uh, Ralph recently over the last uh, sort of year and a half. So, you know, he's worked hard to get back into the side and there's a couple of lads that were perhaps ahead of him that maybe shouldn't have been, but we know, we know Pierre's a, a, a passionate captain a passionate player and you know we're desperate for him to to sign an extension but with this new agent who knows what might happen i'm just looking at his agents uh, other clients in the likes of uh, Lewandowski and and uh, wolf zaha so you know we all know sort of the uh, the rumors that suggest around zaha every single window so who who's to say that uh, perhaps we may not hang on to hoiberg too much no, although they, to be fair they are big name clients that want to move and have been unable to move mm-hmm. so maybe that's a positive yeah maybe Pino will be uh, too busy with the other ones but uh, Glenn look I mean at 24 obviously Pierre is still very young in terms of being the club captain as well Um, we saw with Ryan Bertrand didn't we that maybe the the captain's armband taking it away from him made him perform a little bit more consistently across the course of this season do you think with everything that's going on we know that Pierre was put on the spot in that fans forum about signing a new contract do you think that alongside the armband has maybe sort of weighed him down a bit this season I'm not sure about that I think now, with the formation that we've settled on, which is basically two in the centre of midfield, mm. I think there are always going to be some games where the, the two in the centre of midfield don't know what they're doing, yeah. where it's just like chaos all around them. And it's just a very, very difficult position to play mm. in this formation for a team that is, you know, I mean, let's, you know, what we are, we, we do struggle in some matches to get a foothold. So I think some games there's just chaos going on all around him. And ultimately, you know, you end up having what looks like poor games. Um, no, I don't think the captaincy weighs him down particularly. I, I think he's um, he seems to be the sort of level-headed character that sort of just takes all that in his stride. People respect him. He doesn't seem to get any grief off any other players. Mm. Um, you know, with Bertrand, you, you always had I know, him and Redmond are supposed to are allegedly good mates, but they were always moaning at each <laughs> other and, and, and things like that. But with Hoybier, I don't see that. Um, I agree with Simon. I, I think he'll go. Um, I mean, obviously, COVID-19 might... You you never you don't really know how that's going to affect everything with regards to player transfers and whatnot. But yeah. in the normal scheme of things, I would have expected him to move um, this summer for the reasons Simon said. You don't change agent if you just want to negotiate a new contract. You know that doesn't happen. And as far as Saints are concerned, it's going to be either him out the door because of his contract situation, and we can get a few quid with a year left. Yeah. Um. You know, if he goes, we have to try and keep Romeo. And they're both out of contract at the end of 21. 
Yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. at the end of next season. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a crunch time in the centre of midfield. Yeah, it's interesting, actually, because when you look at it, and we'll talk about them briefly in a minute, you've got, um, at the moment, Smallbones' contract is up at the end of 21 as well, uh, season 21. So you've got three out of the four, potentially, you know, up at the end of next season. But, Freddie, look, I wasn't going to talk too much about James Ward-Prowse, because I guess a lot of this squad assessment chat that we want to try and do is about players that we think can become valuable members of the squad. JWP is obviously someone that is very much already in that mm. part of uh, Ralph's, you know, Ralph called him a machine earlier in the season. You know, we know he's covered so many blades of grass for Saints this season. 281 games he's played for Saints now as a 25-year-old. I mean, do you get the feeling that at the moment he is very much one of the first names on the team sheet for Ralph? I think if not the first. And uh, I think if we look ahead to his career, let's say Pierre does leave us at the end of the season or next season, next whenever it may be, I think James Ward-Prowse is a natural replacement for the armband. And mm. Ward-Prowse covers every blade of glass, as you say. You know, he can fill in. He, he doesn't complain about anything. When he's asked to do something, he fulfills it at the best of his ability. may not be the best right-back, but it gives it absolutely everything. And uh, he deploys those sort of wind-up tactics against the likes of Zaha and other wingers <laughs> to keep him quiet. And he just gets on with it. He doesn't complain at all. Perhaps some inconsistencies with his deliveries on corners, perhaps not always there when we need it to be. But uh, I think he's actually improved himself as an important member of the team over the last couple of years, that's for sure. Yeah, and Simon, you said you obviously spoke to him recently. You would have followed his career almost from when you were covering Saints and that sort of thing as well. And I think we all sort of felt with um, Prousey that you feel like he'd made it and then he'd go really, really quiet for months and months. And actually, you know, the last 18 months or so, he's really stepped up and been a valuable member of the squad, as we mentioned there. So 25 goals, 34 assists for him now in those 281 games. How have you sort of seen him change? And, you know, as I say, when you spoke to him recently, he just seems a, a much more mature and committed sort of character now. Yeah, I mean, I think he got a bit tired with the lack of first-team football a couple of years ago. Um, there was a point where there were some options on the table for him, and I don't think he would have been against taking them, even if that involved moving north to Lancashire or wherever, because he was just getting frustrated. But the opportunities have come. I think his kid has helped him realise what's important in life and mm. uh, not grounded him, because that makes it sound like he's big-headed, but kind of gives perspective on everything. I think mm. it's probably fairer to say... Um, when I spoke to him earlier in the week, it was around everything that Southampton had done, the wage deferrals and everything. But we had a chat about life and everything off it, and he seemed pretty happy in his own skin. And I think you need people like that around the club. He understands what it's about. I, I'm surprised he hasn't been made captain earlier, to be frank. Um, I thought the last time the captaincy was up, it made sense for him to get it, certainly as an academy graduate. But yeah, no, I, I've always felt with him that if he was a footballer 20 years ago, he would have been at a much higher level because the game would have been more suited to him in terms of he could have played the David Beckham role on the right-hand side of a 4-4-2 with the yeah. set-piece delivery and had all of that, and he would have been perfect for that. Whereas now, with the way that the teams are set up in modern-day formations, he, he kind of falls between different things sometimes, which I think has probably harmed him, is why we've seen those peaks and troughs in, in recent years. Yeah, and uh, Simon, just sort of going on with that point then, as Glenn kind of mentioned, you know, the other two in the squad at the moment other than Pierre and JWP uh, Oriol Romeo and Will Smallbone so two different footballers in terms of one's an experienced campaigner one's at the very early stages of his career um, I was amazed when I was looking at Oriol Romeo that he's played 181 games for Saints he's got 50 yellow cards but incredibly unless the stats are wrong he's never got a red card which was amazing actually but uh, I mean we know money's not going to be and we spoke about this in part one there's not going to be loads of money around so we can imagine that probably defensive midfield isn't an area that Ralph is going to be looking at and we'll come on to talk about the Lamina and Harrison Reeds of the Worlds briefly in a minute but do you think those four kind of give enough strength and depth at the moment? I think what we, all, we need to bear in mind throughout this entire conversation is since we last spoke the market has changed dramatically mm. in the sense of 
it really is going to be a buyer's market. It's not yeah. going to be a seller's market. The selling team are going to be over a barrel, really. Yeah. Um, Romero is not going to sign a contract. I can't see people paying 10 million plus for him, whereas this time last summer, they definitely would have, even with the year left in his contract. Mm. I think he's had a patchy season, personally. Yeah. Um, probably the worst one he's had since he joined the club, in my opinion. But I think the market's really shifted, and you're going to get players at all levels, whether it's Paul Pogba or Oral Romeo, spending this time plotting what is actually going to be better for them in the long term. Mm. Do you not sign the contract and sit it out? Or do you try and get a move now? I, I think maybe Pierre-Emil Hoiberg might try and get that move now in terms of his quality and the, the suitors that it sounds like he has. Yeah. But with Romeo, wait a year in a market that's still going to be all over the place because of coronavirus, free transfers are going to be invaluable. As a general rule, I'm not, I'm not sure if this is normally the case. I was looking at the contract situation. We have a hell of a lot of players who are up at the end of next season and the season after mm. yeah. have got less than less than two years you know or they're just <clears> coming <throat> into two years left on their deal there's only really about three players who've got any longer than that mm. um and it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with as Simon pointed out it's it's going to be a buyer's market are players more likely to sit until the end of their deals and see what happens i mean war prowse is at 2022 yeah as well but i mean going back to him for a second he seems to be like a bit of an old-fashioned character for me. And he might actually be one of these players who thinks he might get a better run at getting in the England side if he moves to another club. Because mm-hmm. there are definitely inferior players getting in that midfield area. Um, you know, he just may feel that he's, you know, like we always used to say in the 90s and stuff, you you couldn't play for England playing for Southampton sort yeah. of thing. It, it, he may begin to feel that himself if he has another good season next year and still doesn't become a regular in the squad sort of thing yeah I thought it was always fun it feels like pre-season already doesn't it that the uh, Liverpool Echo had apparently picked him as the the one player that uh, Liverpool should be looking at to potentially sign this coming summer when Milner and Lalana leave and they need to get their England quota up so it would uh, it wouldn't be much of a pre-season if we didn't have at least someone linked with Liverpool eh? so I don't uh, pay much attention to what gets written about Liverpool <laughs> I know no exactly but uh, yeah I just thought it felt like football hadn't really gone away but uh, just on Will Smallbone there briefly then Freddie um look I mean, it's very early days. He's 20 years old. As I say, he's only got one year left on his contract. He only signed for three years as a 17-year-old. So I imagine that's something that they'll be wanting to look at if Ralph rates him uh, as highly. He's only made those three appearances so far in the Cup and uh, Aston Villa and uh, West Ham. So it is still early days. But from what you've seen of him, and I know Glenn's sort of a bit on the fence, but it is early days. Do you think he's someone that can forge out a long-term career at Saints? To be honest, look, from when I first saw him in the Huddersfield game in January, he looked quite slight, a bit lightweight. He drifted in and out of the game and then he sort of popped into the uh, into the penalty box to smash away that goal away and get into those good positions every now and then. But uh, Ralph seems to rate him quite highly. He says he's sort of the future of the, of the football club. And to some respect, I think he needs to look at James Ward-Prowse here as a model, as a an example, you know, to get his head down, to work hard. I think Smallbone's still got a long way to go to a staple onto the first team and, and become that sort of one of those first names but you know three games I think it's just too early to tell about Wolf Smallburn he came out of nowhere let's be honest I mean he wasn't even on the scene last season when Ralph gave half a dozen of the under 23s a debut 
No, completely. And uh, look, just uh, before we move on to talk about the elephant in the room, then uh, big bad Instagrammer, shall we say, the <laughs> the other fairly young central midfielders that we have got on the books at the moment that are both out on loan are Harrison Reed and Callum Slattery, of course, Glenn. Um, Les Reed gave namesake Harrison a new four-and-a-half-year contract in December 2015, but since then he's been out on loan at sort of Norwich, Blackburn, he's now at Fulham. So he's only made 30 appearances in seven years. You know, the fact that four or five managers have come in during that time and not really fancied him, do you think the ship's kind of sell for Harrison Reed or not? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's ever going to be a first-team regular at, at Southampton and it would be better for him that he moved on. The only reason he'll be here next year is if we have some sort of transfer market disaster and we lose both Hoybier and Romeu and you know we're left with JWP and Smallbone and, and I don't think you can count Smallbone in your numbers mm. yet, to be honest, because he's a he's a 19-year-old who's played one and a half games or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I can see Reed being kept if we have a disaster and we just haven't got anybody else but I would hope that Callum Slattery would be you know at least on small bones level next year and be ready to come in and play the odd game Um, I mean from what I've seen of the guy he looks to have a little bit about him he he seems to have probably cursing him saying this he reminds me a little bit of a very very young Steve Williams when I first saw him and I I I thought you know the lad's got something about him so I mean, there are there are rumours of a, a slightly suspect attitude, but mm. I don't know too much about that. But on the pitch, he, he looks okay. So I, I hope he comes in and um, has a go. So yeah. when can I talk about Mario? <laughs> come on, let's we're do Mario. To that, we're coming to that. Um, yeah, Freddie, just briefly then on Callum Slattery before we let Glenn run wild on Mario Lamina. Um, look, I mean, he's a bit of a weird one, isn't he? Because he obviously made an impact when Ralph first came in. Mm. He then signed a two-year extension. So he's you know one of the few that's got a contract until 2022. We didn't see anything in, earlier in this season. And then he went on loan uh, to do... Graf Schapp in Holland in January of this year and he's uh, he's played 98 minutes and scored one goal there so he's not necessarily playing week in week out but you know when we've spoken on TSP before early in the season I think we we're all unsure whether there was a bit more to that situation or not but it is a, a bit of a weird one because you're not really sure whether he's kind of fallen out with Ralph or Ralph just feels that going out and getting some loan experience will be good for him. I think it's probably the latter of Let's those hope. two there. Um, you know, he burst onto the scene a little bit. He was given a chance in the team in the, in the cup games last season. I remember he played against Derby twice, and I think he made a cameo elsewhere as well. But, you know, I think it was an important time for Callum to go out online, a, a bit like some of the others that we've seen, perhaps Harrison Reed, Josh Sims, Heskiff mm-hmm. as well. You know, I think it was a, a chance for Callum, because I think he's at that stage in his development to go and play regular football. But it's, I think he's probably going to reflect on the time away in, in the Netherlands this season and say that he probably hasn't played enough football, you know, 98 yeah. minutes over how long to be out alone so he went in January so four months or so yep, yep. so that's basically a, a game just one game really isn't it you know mm. um, so slightly disappointed for him and, and probably a frustrating and a difficult time for him because he's I think he needs to play at a higher level next season mm. perhaps a championship side a bit like Harrison Reed has done for the last couple of years and I think he, he could be a first team regular in a couple of years to come yeah, fair enough. Right, right. if you're just tuning in, uh, you're joining us at a very pivotal moment because Glenda LaCour is about to uh, talk <laughs> about Mario Lamina. Right, I mean, let's move on to Mario. And I, I, I think it would be good to try and, you know, look at this positively and negatively. And I don't just mean you, Glenn. I mean, as a panel the, between the four of us. But look, you know, when he's not on Instagram, there's arguably a very good footballer in there. He's won the Italian League twice. He's won the Italian Cup twice. He's played in a Champions League final. Obviously, he's currently on loan to Galatasaray in Turkey, where he's played 25 times, scoring once. He'll likely to return to Saints at some point point this summer um in your view glenn then do you think he can still prove any doubters wrong and make an impact in the premier league with saints or more importantly would you you know even give him that chance to come back or do you think they will try and ship him out 
Um, I think they'll try and ship him out, most definitely. Um, it's interesting you read you read his CV. I mean, in your normal working life, have you ever sort of like seen a CV of someone and thought, yeah, this this person looks amazing, and then they start work with you and you think, actually, this person's actually not quite as amazing as they make out on their CV. Um, <laughs> as far as I can tell, Lamine has never been a first-team regular anywhere he's ever been. Uh, well, he's been at Juventus, which is obviously a, a, a real top-level club, but he was never a first-team regular. No. I wanted him to be brilliant, and a couple of games he was, but it turns out it was against weaker teams or teams that had two 34-year-olds in midfield, and he fancied it that day because he could look brilliant. Basically, six-letter word beginning with W springs to mind. Um, Waster. What do you think I was going to say? (laughs) Waster. Complete waster. Got all the ability. He's got every tool in the box that you need to be an excellent midfielder. I think he thinks he's better than Southampton. Um, He doesn't want to be here. Galatasaray was perfect for him because it's it's all flash and it's big crowds and they win most games and, and all that sort of stuff, playing the Champions League, all that stuff. That's perfect for him. Les Reed used to go on about the black box and we used to look at people's characters before we signed them. Well, we didn't look at this guy's <laughs> because he just, to me, after about the first six, seven games, yeah. he didn't look like he wanted to be there. I mean, what's his record for consecutive appearances for Southampton? Oh, I've not done that sort of research, Glenn. No, but I'm guessing it's less than 10 games that he's ever ever played in a row without having some injury that's kept him out for ages or, mm. or whatever. So I would rather, I mean, we talk about Harrison Reed, Callum Slattery, Will Smallbone. Yeah. I would rather see those guys play, to be honest. I'll get Lamina out the door for virtually whatever we can get for him. Yeah. I mean, Galatasaray was saying 8 million was too expensive and... You know, Steve Grant said, well, sorry, you can't have him for eight million. And, and I agree with that. Mm. But I'm sure we could get something like 12 million for him. Someone will be fooled by his brilliant CV, but he has to go. Sorry. I, I found a, the statistic. Oh, everyone's jaws are going to drop here. Um, at the start of the 2018-19 season, he started 14 consecutive games. Really? Unbelievable. There you go. But yeah, as you said, I think we all remember that Crystal Palace away game when Davis scored and we won 1 0. I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. I think even Match of the Day spent about 20 minutes analysing him mm. afterwards. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the positive, Glenn, is we all know he's got that highlights reel, albeit there's Nathan Redmond in there twice. But who knows, you know, if we can <laughs> sell him uh, with the, the highlights reel. But Simon, when Adam Blackmore came on a few weeks ago, we were talking about Saints in general at the moment. And Adam made the point that, as we've spoken about, there won't be much money around this summer. So Saints may be forced to try and reintegrate him. Uh, you know, Ralph may have to reconsider him coming into the first team squad. And if they could do that and he could perform consistently, that may make the Pierre stay or go situation easier for the club. Do you agree with that or not? Yeah, as I said, this is, this is going to be a strange market. And he may have already got his head around the fact that he isn't going to be going to Galatasaray on a permanent basis. And nor is anyone going to be able to afford him that he really wants to go to. Look, this is Wikipedia. But when we were talking about appearances, I just went on. He's 26 year old and he's apparently only played 144 club matches in his entire career, mm. which to me seems mad. Yeah. Um, a really crazy low figure well, when you for, compare for that what to, he's achieved. Yeah. And when you compare that to Prousey, Simon, he's 25 and played 281. Yeah, exactly. Um, from what I remember, Galatasaray had the option to make the move permanent for 16 million euros. They ain't going to be able to afford that, not in this market. Um, so Southampton will be left with a player that, as Glenn rightly says, thinks he's better than the club. That's the issue that Saints had in that era. The black box that was working so well stopped working, and they were getting players that were expecting to do well for two or three years, seem like they're fully committed, and then we all just say, right, OK, you move to Liverpool now. You move to X, Y, and Z. But unfortunately, if things go slightly awry, you end up with 
Mario Lamino, Guido Carrillo, all these players that haven't worked out. Mm. Um, and that's the issue we're having at the moment, all these millstones around the neck. No, totally. OK, that's uh, enough on centre midfield then. Uh, I'm not going to spend any time on uh, a few of the players. Stuart Armstrong, I think, because uh, a little like Prousey has had a, a really good season, I think is brilliant off the pitch as well. I think we've seen uh, you know, that sort of character in him as well and definitely has a, a bright future at the club. Likewise, moving forward, I wasn't going to spend any time on Nathan Redmond. We all know what last season's Player of the Year can do. Again, you know, Redders is going to be an important part of uh, Ralph's wheel going forward, I think. Finally, as well, having done well when fit this season, Musa Gineppo, still in his first year with Saints and in the Premier League and at only 21 looks to have the potential to thrill fans over the coming season so those three I think all make sense and I think we all agreed you know are going to be a big part of Ralph's squad going forward so that just leaves three attacking players in midfield at the moment two of which are out on loan as well Solfan Bufal, Mohamed El Yanusi and Josh Sims um Freddie I have to say and I said it at the start of the season there's something about Sofian that I, I just love I, I'm not sure if it's his unpredictability or something like that um at the start of this season after his loan period at Celta I said I hoped Ralph could kind of get the best out of him because he's obviously drifted a little bit. At that time, while hoping for the same, Adam Leach sort of laughed at me down the line and said that that probably wouldn't happen. After our last game against Newcastle, which Mr Leach was at, I did get a message to go, I was right about Sofian Bufel. But, mm. you know, I mean, we are kind of talking second, third, fourth chances here. Do you still think that there's a player in there that can do it in the Premier League? I think he's the modern day enigma, isn't he? You know, sort of a mysterious behind the curtain. But then once he comes out onto the pitch, he sometimes makes us onto the edge of the seat. But Sofian, again, you know, there was questions over his kind of attitude, his willingness to play for the team. But we know he's brilliant on his day. You know, we all remember fondly of that goal against West Brom, twisting through the West Brom defence, crashing them into each other. Um, And then, you know, a a fantastic goal against uh, Sunderland um, earlier that season or the year before. But, you know, I think he's had his chance to work hard to go away to Celta Vigo I think it's probably it gave him some time to reflect on his time at Savanta you know I think at the yeah. start of the season he said uh, you know I want to get my head down I want to work for the team I want to play for Ralph Haas and Hooter and Southampton Football Club but uh, he's, he's found himself on the periphery this season partly because you know Nathan Redmond it has been that sort of star man occasionally. And Musa Gineppo has been given more of a chance. And you've often often seen, obviously, Stuart Armstrong out in the wide positions. But the, the trouble is, is Sofian is, is just so inconsistent. Yeah. I think the key thing for all of us, Simon, when we were talking about it at the start of the season was whether he would have the sort of work rate that Ralph would clearly want in his side. I mean, as, as Freddie says there, I mean, he's played 83 games for Saints now. He's scored five goals. I think pretty much all of them are worldies. Um, and he's only created five assists during that time as well, when you think of the amount of ability he has on the ball. So do you think he should be making more of that ability? Or do you kind of think it's a bit of a mental attitude with Sofian? Maybe the two are connected. I mean, yeah. look, I, he should be a lot better than he was. I remember how excited I was when we got him from Lille and he's not lived up to the hype as he's... Mm. Him and Mark Hughes obviously didn't get on very well. I was going to say butterhead, but that might be literal. Um, <laughs> I like him as a plan B off the bench, but whenever I see him in the starting lineup, I presume he's going to be taken off in about the 70th minute because he's not done anything. Impact so it's a, really, it's, it's a really strange player. I like him. If someone said to me, write down 10 players you want to get rid of, he probably wouldn't be on that 10. Yeah. But at the same time, if you said keep 10 players, he wouldn't be on that either. <laughs> yeah. Sort of no man's land. I think that's the thing, is that I remember that Watford home game. I think it was uh, him that came on, and uh, you know the second half. Obviously, we turned it around and uh, won. But I, you know, I kind of agree with you, Simon. I think when he seemed to have had the most impact for Saints, I think probably all of those goals he scored have generally been when he's come on as a sub as well. Certainly the West Brom one we all remember because he of course went over to Pellegrino and all that sort of thing. But I do still hope that we can kind of get something out of him because he does seem to have the sort of flair and creativity that uh, we're looking for. Um, another winger that potentially has that then, Glenn, is uh, Mohamed. 
Adel Yunisi. We paid around 16 million for him a couple of years ago. Um, he obviously struggled to adapt to life in the Premier League. He was uh, shipped off up to Celtic on loan this season, where a little like Fraser Forster, he's thrived. And you know, when you look at the stats, which I can go through in a minute, it's pretty um, surreal the difference. I mean, he's played. 19 times for Saints, no goals, no assists. He's played 20 times for Celtic, albeit I know the Scottish Football League we've commented on. Seven goals, six assists. So, you know, there's a lot more that he's delivering up there for Celtic. He's still got three years left on his contract as well. So that's obviously someone that we are kind of stuck with. So, like we said earlier, do you think he's someone that could potentially come back and make it happen in the Premier League or not? No. <laughs> no, I didn't see a single thing in the guy. Oh, no, I, I just didn't see a thing mm. in that guy that would make him a suitable Premier League winger. I mean, you know, you say that and then he signs for someone else and he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I just can't see it. I really can't. He, he just didn't look to have anything. Honestly, I, I just didn't see it at all. There would have to be an absolutely massive change in yeah. his level of performance, his attitude, his, you know, his willingness to work. Um, he just seemed to zombie around the pitch half the time. Yeah. And, um, the, you know, oh, he's been on the pitch 70 minutes, he untouched the ball. <laughs> I, I just didn't see anything. Um, that, you know, most wingers have either got pace or they're tricky. He didn't seem to have either. I mean, Buffal, yeah, if you're talking about Buffal, you know, 70 minutes to go and we're bringing on, a, and it's a dreadful game and you're bringing on a player and you see Buffal and you think, ah, oh, right, he might do something. Yeah, yeah. You bring Eli Nussi on as a sub, you might as well go home. It's just not <laughs> happening. Um, yeah. I, he is one where I think we have to hold our hands up, and you know, similar to Mr. Carrillo, who we'll know to talk about later. Mm. We've kicked ourselves thoroughly in the arse with this one, and we, we just have to take the hit and, and get rid. Um, again, we've got Josh Sims. I would rather give Josh Sims another chance yeah. than give Eli Nussi another go, to be honest. I know finances might dictate otherwise, but... Yeah, to be honest, I'd rather have a player who, who looks like he wants to do something. Let me just add yeah. something on Mo Elinusi, actually. Um, he almost sometimes looks like he's, he's a, someone that's won the competition to play on the pitch. Um, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe he's got a, a distant cousin of Klaus Lundervan who's pulled up to say, hey, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the cousin of Klaus Lundervan, can you get me a contract? That would never work, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I, I know Klaus is doesn't, and she doesn't look anything like that. <laughs> she um, covers Man United for the two weeks. Oh, there you go. There you go. I thought you were joking, there but. But no, yeah, no. Simon, on Glenn's point then, I did have it written down here just before I asked Freddie about Josh Sims. Um, what do you make of the LUC situation, Simon? Cause do you think it is poor recruitment by Saints and one that they kind of do need to hold their hands up to? Or do you think it's a player that you know hasn't really delivered what he should have done? I think it's a mixture. I think that he is in that three-year period of signings, which was just the wrong signing, mm. made terribly. And then Les Reed got the technical director job at the FA. Somehow someone connected the dots and came up with that promotion. I, I'm still trying to get my head around that. <laughs> um, but I think Elianusi, I've seen him play for Basel, and admittedly it was Basel. It was against big teams. And I did like the look of him. So when he signed in, everything I'd heard about him as a personality, I liked the sound of it. Mm. But he hasn't worked. It feels like his confidence has just been battered. Yeah. And and I do feel bad for players that come to a new club, don't settle in when you're supposed to be a tricky winger and you're not offering attacking threat at all. Mm. I understand the fans getting on his back and I understand why he's kind of stuck in a hole. So yeah. I don't really see it working out. I think he could be a good player for Saints. In fact, I think he was definitely quality enough to be a good player for Saints. I just don't think it's going to work out. Yeah. Um, same with Josh Sin, sadly. I mean, I saw him play for New York Red Bulls the other uh, it was August or, so, or September. 
Yeah. Um, it was Wayne Rooney was with DC United and they were in New York. And I was really excited to see Josh Sims. And he did nothing. And that's MLS. And I like MLS. I think it's an undervalued league. But when you're a pacey winger, you should be doing some damage. And he did nothing. Uh, and the fact he's gone back there makes me think that he... And the Saints are happy just to change paths. Mm-hmm. I kind of agree what Glenn said about El Yunisi actually, in that you know you watch him as Scottish football, he's obviously a lot more confident at taking the ball forward. You watch him with Saints, and he kind of gets it, and he's always looking backwards, you know, and sideways, which we we've obviously gone through a big period of time uh, playing that sort of style of football. But yeah, the confidence doesn't seem to be there for uh, the Premier League. But yeah, just finally on midfield, then Freddie, in terms of Josh Sims, as, as Simon kind of said there, I mean. He made his debut in 2015. We all remember the Ronald Koeman game and him setting up the goal after one minute or whatever it was when uh, Big Bad Charlie Austin scored. Under several managers, he's only made 27 appearances. He's kind of had a half-decent loan at Reading. He's had a half-decent loan at New York, but he hasn't really gone and excelled like you would have wanted him to. So, again, he's only fairly young still. I think he's 23 still, something like that. So, is he someone that you think can be a, a valued part of the squad, or do you think he's someone, again, that we potentially will have to try and move on? He came onto the scene in bursts, didn't he? Sort of, you know, as I say, sat up that goal, chipped it over Charlie Austin, and he was explosive on the break. Direct winger, running at defenders. They feared him uh, occasionally, but unfortunately for him, I think he's at a crossroads in his career. You know, 23 years old, 24 perhaps this year. Similarly with Harrison Reed, you know, if you haven't made it at sort of 24, 25, then perhaps this club isn't for you. But mm. I quite like Josh Sims, you know, and I think he's a good character, a good young lad, a humble, you know, honest lad. Um, but I think there's just a bit more, just too much quality ahead of him at the moment. And unfortunately, it's probably time to see uh, Josh Sims off to past his new. Okay, to finish up, it's the forwards, all four of them in the senior squad at the moment. Danny Ings, Shane Long, Michael Obafemi and Che Adams. And of course, we will mention Guido Carrillo as well. As a group, Glenn, does that have enough talent and firepower to lead Saints forward next season? No, (laughs) Um, I I don't think it does, to be honest. I I don't think it'll be a priority area, but I think it should be. Um, The key to what happens with the strikers is obviously what happens with Che Adams, whether other clubs are interested, whether... Ralph decides that, okay, it's not working out. We need to get some money back for him and then try again with another either lower league striker or another striker from abroad. Um, I think as attacking options, we don't have the archetypal Ricky Lambert style number nine. And I think that is a major problem for us, especially in home games. Um, Where ever since Pella left, we have struggled to break teams down at home. Um, And I think it's as as simple as we don't have the option sometimes to just put the ball in the mixer and put teams under pressure. It sounds very, very, um, very, very Mike Bassett simplistic, but we just (laughs) don't have that option. Um, Danny Ings is a fabulous player. Shane Long you can't help but like his enthusiasm and it you know it does work in some games but it's mainly away games yeah um Michael Obafemi is another youngster it might work it might not he seems to have a bit about him you know he's scored a couple of cracking goals this season yeah um I like the guy I like his enthusiasm mm. this is what I mean about Elianusi you compare him to someone like Obafemi it just seems to have this enthusiasm same as Gineppo yeah they they just have something about them and Buffal to a degree is that they just sort of light the place up and yeah, they, yeah. they give you that sense of anticipation so I like Obafemi I think he'll be in and out of the side hopefully he gets a few more games next year 
Che Adams, I've, I've said before, I don't see it. I don't see it myself. Um, I just He looks like a player who wants to, you know, Ralph wants his strikers to press. Adams looks like a player who's doing it because he's told to, not because he wants to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you sometimes see, I, I remember one game last year where War Prowse was kind of pointing at the goalkeeper and shouting at Adams, you know, go and close him down. And he, he was just sort of ambling around. And bearing in mind he was playing sort of 10 minutes, he, he should have been fresh. And that was my criticism of him at the end of the season is that you bring a striker on to freshen things up. And, you know, it's the old cliche, fresh legs up front. But his fresh legs weren't doing anything. Would he have been better off leaving a half-dead Shane Long on there than, <laughs> than, than putting Adams on? The pressing at the front went down when he came on. And Yeah, so I've waffled on a bit there. But, yeah, I don't think the balance is, is quite there. Yeah. I think we need a traditional big centre-forward option. Yeah, just briefly then, Glenn, before we do move on, let's chuck him into the mix now. I probably know your answer. I think probably know every Saints fan's answer. I think I probably know my answer. Could Guido Carrillo fulfil that role then that you're talking about of a of a lump up front that they can play off? I think he's six foot two, something like that. We know he's fairly physical and big. So could he potentially come back and offer that? Very, very unlikely, um, based on what we've seen so far. He's another one whose contract is up at the end of next year. So unless there's absolutely no, I think we'd rather ping him out on loan again and get. 500 grand or whatever it is for a loan fee I think we'd rather do that than lose him for nothing at the end of the year so unless there's absolutely no takers for him you know either on loan or permanently um, I can't see him being in the squad but if they did chuck him on the pitch for the last 15 minutes of some games who knows stranger things have happened but I can't think of any well I saw Maurizio Pellegrino has got a new job I think back in Argentina so we can probably welcome Guido Carrillo too I think it's Velez Salsfield or something like that is it so uh, there we go but uh, look just briefly on Danny Ings thing obviously he's a massive part of the squad we know that he's going to be a big part of the squad for Saints going forward he was obviously signed very very late in the day I think you know we all know that it was kind of against the Saints recruitment strategy Mark Hughes pushed the club to sign him right at the end of that transfer window back in 2018 since then he scored 26 goals in 58 so literally one in every two and of course those goals we know have seen him spoken about for England we've seen him linked with other clubs you know sort of media around Spurs saying they should try and sign him that sort of thing it may seem a silly question but does Saints kind of need to brace themselves for offers this summer on him? Or do you think that potentially the club selling him might see them very highly fall out with Ralph? I think if the market had been as it was in January and February, I wouldn't be surprised if clubs were sniffing around him now. I don't see clubs being able to get anywhere near the amount that Saints would want for him. Mm. So I, I don't see him leaving. Uh, I think he's one of those ones of kind of perfect player that has actually tasted the heights and realise he's not quite there. He's not quite good enough. He's the inverse Lalana, I guess. Adam mm. didn't have that chance to play at the top early on, so then moved in his mid-20s, whereas Danny Ings has come back at that period knowing that he's tasted it and he isn't quite there. Yeah. So I think he works really well, uh, and he seems like a really good guy every every dealing I've ever had with him. I, I do think the striking, the striking options have been bizarre and imbalanced for a while to be mm. honest. I like Copper Femi, I just he, he, he can't stay fit. It seems every yeah. time I think he's doing something he's pulled a hammy again. Train long I it doesn't seem that long ago that when I was on this show I was the only one defending him. Yeah. <laughs> because I always really liked him. Uh, he's a pain in the arse. Mm. Um, and I think there's something to be said about that. Uh Shay Adams Ralph must really like him because Leeds were very serious about him. Whether the 
the way the deal they wanted to put into place in January was actually going to be what the big price that was being mentioned in the media actually was. I'm not sure. Yeah. But it's a bit strange. But Guido Correa, again, it might just be one that we have to take him back. Why not roll the dice? Well, they may be forced the, the contributions, to Yeah, the contributions he's made out there are pretty rubbish. But mm. right now, and I, I know I keep, I'm a broken record, but if Saints, I'm, I'm taking a guess, because I imagine he's on fairly big wages at Saints, and Leganes are a very small club. They will not be able to pay them. So let's say we're paying 30% of his wages. Why on earth would we do that next year? Just keep him, unless he's a bad egg. And I've heard nothing to suggest he is. Why not just try him? Because yeah. as we've all been saying, since Pella's gone, since I know he didn't really move very much, but since Charlie Austin's gone, there isn't a, a striker with a physical presence. I know Shane Long does, but his is more stretching aside, isn't it? No, absolutely. And, and look, just on Che Adams, says Simon, because I, I, I was going to sort of bring this up later, but as we're talking about him now, um, I remember you coming on the pod last year, I think, after we'd failed to sign him during the, the January 2019 transfer window. And you said that uh, you'd spoken to a previous coach of his who'd questioned his attitude a little bit. Um, I think you said something along the lines of, of that time that you weren't overly disappointed that we'd not made the deal happen. From what you've kind of seen of him this season, and I appreciate that a lot of that will be remotely, but do you think that the attitude could still be a, a problem with him? Because I think, as Glenn sort of mentioned, it's trying to get him to sort of understand and maybe be a little bit more enthusiastic about his role in the team or do you think that we obviously need to give him a bit of chance and, and time to kind of contribute and prove himself see one it makes me sound like I'm really intelligent the fact that I suggested it might not work out <laughs> I'm sure you are but yeah but the fact that uh, for me it was a period where he'd come from non-league and was in the bright lights of a big club so he was going to struggle to adapt it must be hard in as a teenager to go from that to the glitz and glamour and have to deal with all of that and the pressures that come with it um, and it didn't sound like he did react particularly well to it mm. um, I've not heard anything that suggests attitude is an issue now but it might just be a case that like Elianusi or whatever we spoke about Obafemi being an exciting talent that works hard mm. but he's he's come through our system so there's not as much pressure on him to perform as a 10 million plus attacker whether that's Elianusi whether that's Carrillo, Adams, and I'm not suggesting they're not at fault for any of this, but yeah. there is an immediate pressure that after five games we write them off, and I know Shea Adams had more than that, and I agree with the fact that he doesn't appear to fit the system as well as Ralph would probably like, and again he's one of those that when he comes off the bench I don't go, right, here we go, here's someone that can get us the game, I go oh, I really hope this is the day he scores yeah. <laughs> not, it, it doesn't fill you with confidence Nah. And, and I think Freddie, you know, just on Chad Adams, then, um, you know, as Simon said, there, Saints aren't the sort of club to just, and I, I, you know, I'm quite sort of, I think we're probably all proud of this. They're not the sort of club that just buys someone for 30 million, it doesn't work out, so they just bomb them after six months, or you know, try and get rid of them like a, a Man United could maybe afford to do, or something like that. But he obviously joined last summer for around 15 million. Um, he signed the five-year deal, so he's still got a contract up to 2024. So we got quite a bit of time left with him. He'd arrived having scored 38 and 123 for Birmingham. So it has been a tough start for him in the Premier League this year. We know he hasn't scored. He has set up four goals. Um, you know, we remember the, the pass for the winner at Leicester. We remember the pass to Stuart Armstrong for that Aston Villa second goal. From what you've seen of him, Freddie, do you think he could become a, I don't know, a 10-plus Premier League striker? 
Well, I called out the start of the season. God, I'm eating my hat today. So um, <laughs> I think Shea Adams is probably the only striker in the squad that doesn't have an identity. And I think he's struggling to hit the ground running this season. You know, he's, he's come on in cameos. He's not had the chance to play uh, from the start quite often. And, you know, perhaps there is a little bit of pressure on him because he scored almost 20, 25 goals last season for Birmingham coming into the Premier League, making that step up. You know, mm. it's a humble, it's a, it's a great story to go from non-league to the Premier League. But Saints are a patient team. And, you know, we, we, we let's say invest £15 million into centre-forward Shea Adams. Yep. And I think we're going to give him some chance. You know, I think we'll see him more often perhaps next season. I think if you look at the four uh, current strikers that we have in the club, they're all at different stages in their career or development, want for a better word. You've yep. got Obafemi, who's a 19-year-old, just at the start of his career. Shea Adams at 23, I guess just before his peak. Danny Ings in his prime and Shane Long just a little bit over the hill. So Shea Adams, I think, will get his chance, but he has to be patient. And I think he needs to find a bit of his identity. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And you think of, I mean, he obviously had a really, really good pre-season, Freddie, didn't he? And then mm. you know, I think he scored after about 15, 30 seconds of his debut, didn't he? Uh, but I appreciate pre-season's different. But you kind of hope that maybe Ralph will... As a manager, I, I think, you know, Simon kind of said it does depend whether maybe clubs come in for him and, and there's something for Saints to mull over. But otherwise, you kind of think, well, Ralph might think, right, that's your first year done. You've learned a lot. Now I expect you to actually come and deliver. Um, and again, you know, Shadams, he's, we've also seen him kind of employed in that Shane Long role this season. He's come on to hold the ball up, to, to press defenders into mistakes. And uh, what I've noticed from Shay, he's got a bit of grit to him. You know, he's, he's quite bullish. He can be bullish. What we saw from it last season or the season before in the championship, he was a good sort of striker in the League One uh, uh, level with Sheffield United. So yeah. I think, Shadams, we've got to remain patient. You know, I think perhaps uh, maybe this time next year, if he hasn't scored into double figures by now, perhaps there might be a little bit of pressure on him. Yeah. And uh, Glenn, look, I mean, just finally then, obviously you've spoken about Obafemi. I guess the, the challenge for Saints is that we know, as we said, there isn't going to be much money around. So they're not going to have 20, 25, 30 million to go and buy another striker. So there doesn't seem to be much. I know there's players like Dan and Delu um, and players like that coming up through the academy. But again, they look way off being ready for the, the senior squad. So I guess it's almost the case of not whether you want to change the front four slash five. It's a case of you probably won't be able to and you kind of need to get them scoring 40, 50 goals between them next year. The only room for manoeuvre might be is, is if they do sell Adams and then they might have some money. But you've got to remember, I mean, Oberfemi is the... He's like the first substitute at the moment, isn't yeah, he? So yeah. Ing, Ings and Long start, and Adams has managed to drop down to fourth choice. Yeah. Um, and bear in mind, at the start of the season, he was getting picked and Danny Ings wasn't. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he's gone from first choice to fourth choice over the season. Um, Oberfemi, yeah, as I said earlier, he's, he's, he's got a bit about him. He's ideal to come on as a substitute for 15, 20 minutes at the end. Um, Explosive, and, I think. Yeah, and good, you know, and, and you know, yeah. good enough, good enough to start the odd game. Yeah, I yeah. think he will find it easier away from home. He seems to be the sort of player that does, you know, he needs needs a little bit of space to work in. Um, and and this is this is my problem with the forward line that you know the forward players that we've got in in home games where defences sit a little bit deeper. Um, so he's got to learn how to deal with that situation. Um, Shane Long never really has throughout his career. Oberfemi is still young enough to learn. Ings knows how to play it. But, you know, Oberfemi's got a lot of developing to do next season and he'll get more games to do that next season. Just one more thing on Oberfemi. What did uh, Ralph compare him to at the start of the season? It was like a Formula 1 race car. 
think it was, wasn't it? Something like that, yeah. yeah. So, you know, I think he's had a bit of soul-searching to this season as well. I think he was frozen out because of his antics and his attitude off the pitch going out into town all this time. But he got his head down, he worked hard, and he's come off the bench and he's scored goals and he's, you know, played an important uh, role in the team recently. Yeah, totally. I mean, when you compare it, both Che Adams and Obafemi have made 27 appearances for Saints. I mentioned uh, Che Adams' stats there a minute ago, but Obafemi's two assists, one of those, of course, remember down at Fratton Park, and uh, four goals all have been of uh, away from home of course as uh, Glenn just mentioned there you think of that belter up at Chelsea and all of this kind of added up and I have to agree with you Simon I'm a fan of Shane Long you know I think he does offer something different and I know we were talking about contracts a few weeks back and uh, Glenn and myself were kind of saying yep club should keep him Lucy wasn't so sure but in my view Simon how important does all of this make to trying to extend Shane Long's contract? If we can agree a deal which is a year plus one or a two year on reasonable terms I don't see a reason why we wouldn't to be honest it's going to cost more money to replace someone with those attributes to be a happy squad player so I think it's a no-brainer really there's no real resale value in him that's fine but <laughs> I don't think we're going to be getting money back on many of the players we've bought over the last three or four years so um, I would give him a new contract for sure yeah I totally agree yeah and I think that's the thing is that he does, you know, the one thing you mentioned there, Glenn, is, well, we don't have a physical Pella Lambert type player. He is the sort of player that he wins headers, he runs down the channels, he wins lots of free kicks, doesn't he, and things like that. Yeah. So he does kind of give you something different to the other three. And as opposed to some of the other players we've discussed, he mm. is a member of the first 11. He's a member of the first choice 11. If we do sell him, have we got anyone ready to step in and play majority of games no not really so we'd have to spend a load of money to get someone at the top end of the pitch which we haven't got so it is a no-brainer to give him uh to give him a new contract and he's he is currently the best partner we have for danny ings that's all there is to it really we haven't got anyone who could uh, you know, I, I quite fancy vestergaard up front he can't be worse than he is in defense so uh yeah. might try that but uh <laughs> But, you know, Shane Long is the best partner we've got for Danny Ings and that, that's all there is to it, really. So as a, as a result, we've got to um, we've got to keep him. But, I, I, you know, you do you do worry about him being the age he is and obviously his game is totally built on pace. There's obviously going to be a point in the next year, two years, where he just slows down a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's just inevitable. Um, so I would hope they wouldn't do it for any, you know, give him a contract any longer than two years. We'll just have to see see how it plays out. And it's just a, a perfectly natural thing for an older player who relies on pace. Totally. So, Well, that um, completes our squad assessment. I think there's no doubt, and I think probably all of us Saints fans realise and, and sort of think that the club have probably needed an overhaul the last couple of summers. Whether it's going to come this summer or not, bearing in mind everything, quite rightly, Simon said, coronavirus, we'll have to wait and see. But there's no doubt, I think, as a club, that Ralph and the board are going to have some serious decisions to make all over the pitch. Just briefly then, before we go, Glenn, I mentioned Ralph there. There was a story in a a particular paper a couple of weeks back around the fact that, in principle, Ralph had agreed to a three-year contract extension. I think, as Adam had mentioned before, and quite a few people have, you know, we're aware that the club are pretty much doing everything they can to support Ralph to build the, you know, and he's obviously involved in that as well, build the structure that they want longer term, whether he stays or not. But how vital and, you know, how excited are you by the potential for him signing up for a longer term? Well, 
the key will be whether he actually signs the thing or not. If he does sign the three-year contract, it makes me quite optimistic about the future because he wouldn't sign that if he thought the board were content to kind of for the club to tread water like they have been this season. So that would say to me that we're going to give you some better tools to work with. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a, a pivotal moment, really, because we have a lot of players, as discussed earlier, who are out of contract in 21 or 22. When it comes time to sit down with some of the more important players, it's key that they know the manager's going to be there for two years, three years or whatever. Yeah. So it's a very important moment, and it, it could be the uh, it could be the uh, biggest signing of the summer if it uh, turns out that way. Yeah, Freddie Glenn's kind of taken the, the words out of my mouth there because I guess if you're a Pierre Milhoyberg or a Danny Ings that's potentially being linked to other clubs, if you know that your manager that you get on pretty well with is hanging around, potentially you, you know to be part of a longer term project, then that does give you a bit of security as a player as well. Perhaps to, to be a little bit topical, uh, Ralph Hasenhutl was the key worker here. Um, <laughs> you know, I think he he holds the padlock, he holds the the, the key to to the to the formula, if you like, for for Saints going on to the next few seasons. So, should we uh, get Ralph down to a new deal, I think the likes of Pierre Mohuber will be more inclined to sign an extension. Perhaps even you know Shane Long, that wouldn't be such a, a no brainer after all. You know, uh, perhaps you know we'll see Danny Ing sign an extension for another year or two. Will Prass will commit his future too. So, yeah. I think the players, in fact, are bought into this manager, and I think it's a this is where the players are actually playing for him, understanding his tactics, because it has taken him a little bit of time for them to adapt to his high press, his high intensity. And I think, uh, you know, Ralph should be the number one target this summer. Yeah. Just finally then, Simon, I know, as I say, it wasn't your paper that the story was in, but from what you've heard and, uh, you know, the various contacts you got on that sort of thing, do you think Ralph signing longer term is a realistic option this summer or not? Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy that wrote the story is a friend of mine. I know it's a paper that... Uh, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but the guy that writes it is someone that covers Southampton regularly and would know, uh, you'd like to think. Um, I'm not sure it's as imminent as it was written. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've certainly not heard any voices out of the club suggesting that it won't, that, that wouldn't be possible. And look, it's nice to have a manager that people believe in. Um, it's been too many managers. We're in the era of the personality manager. And after Adkins, Pochettino and Koeman, we kind of, didn't have managers with, yeah it's not no easy way of saying it but Claude Puel was a boring guy and mm, yeah. uh, Pellegrino didn't exactly rouse the troops Mark Hughes similarly we've got a guy that people get even if they don't always agree with his decisions and substitutions um, or rather the players he brings on <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so he's not perfect but I hope he stays and it's I've not heard anything that suggests he won't at the moment but I also didn't hear anything about Ronald Koeman going <laughs> <laughs> Well, he has gone, so I just so you know. Um... What? Well, thank you for listening to this bumper second part of our Saints squad assessment. I hope you've enjoyed it and or found it interesting. At the very least, it's helped pass an hour or so of your lockdown, hasn't it? Big thanks again to Glenn, Freddie and Simon for joining. We're still going to keep going with our dedicated weekly pods to try and help keep us all sane, even without some physical football to watch. We've got a couple of great total recalls coming up in TSP 113 and TSP 114, so please keep an eye and ear out for them. For now, from all four of us, keep well, keep safe and keep marching in. Because we are... Oh,
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.